This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome to Knowledge at Wharton. I'm Angie Bassioni. Joining me today are Wharton management professor Rafael Amit and his colleague, Dr. Christoph Zott, an entrepreneurship professor at the University of Navarra's IESE Business School in Spain. Together, they've written a brand new book to help businesses deal with the internal and external shocks created by the coronavirus pandemic. The book is titled Business Model Innovation Strategy, Transformational Concepts and Tools for Entrepreneurial Leaders. It draws on 20 years of research and practice to help businesses embrace change by building a strategy that will make them more resilient and responsive to the marketplace. Professors, thank you for joining me today. Before we dive into the book, I would like for you to give me a little background on your collaboration. I understand you've known each other for quite a long time. Tell me about that relationship and why you decided to write this book together. I'll start with you, Dr. Amit. Please go ahead. So we know each other since the mid-1990s when we met at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada, where both of us were at the time. Now, both Chris and I are strategy and entrepreneurship scholars with a very pragmatic orientation and a very rich practical experience. And what we observed in the mid-1990s and late 1990s that there are all these e-businesses that are formed uh, and they are enormously valuable. So we observed that companies like eBay, take for example, which was founded in 1995 and went public in 1998, eBay doesn't have a product. The cost of good business, uh, the cost of goods sold is zero. Yet eBay is worth billions of dollars. Take, for example, Netflix. There's another uh, example of a company uh, that was founded in 1997 and then went public in 2002. There's really nothing new about the product of Netflix. You could have, at the time, rented CDs at Blockbuster. Yet Netflix innovated in the way you rent a CD. Initially, it was mail order, and ultimately, it's now streaming. And by innovating the way you went uh, CD, it drove Blockbuster out of business. So this allowed both Chris and myself to realize that there is a new form of innovation that is distinct from product innovation, that is distinct from process innovation, and which does not require mountains of R&D expenses and years of research. This new form of innovation centers on the way companies do business, namely the business model. We published over two dozen papers together and we decided to write a book about business model innovation. Dr. Zott, how about you? Tell me about the background. Yeah, um, if you want, the, um, the, the the real answer is that because our last names fit so well together, <laughs> from, we, we're the team that, um, that, that looks at something and tries to find the answer to it from A to Z. There you so, go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. But I think, you know, if, if, if we go be, even beyond the, you know, the internet and, uh, you know, the focus on business models, what, what brought Rafi and I together was our keen uh, interest in entrepreneurship 
and everything that has to do with value creation. Um, and so Rafi and I share a passion for that subject. We really want to understand how value is created, how, some, how, how, how people create something from nothing, if you wish, right? I mean, that's kind of the, this is kind of this, this magical formula that is typically attributed to entrepreneurs, that they, they're able to turn ideas into something tangible, something, you know, companies that give employment to people that they create products that customers want to buy. And so I think at the root of our um, working relationship is this common interest. And then I think why we have been able to, to work together for the past 25 years um, uh, is that we, we also both share common set of values. Um, it's very important um, um, to, to sustain, you know, a working relationship. And this working relationship has developed, I think, into a friendship. Um, and so, you know, the values that both Rafi and I espouse are, you know, keen interest in, in rigorous scholarship um, and that applied to relevant issues. And that really kind of goes right into what Rafi was saying. The relevant issue that we were observing, in, especially in the second part of the 1990s, was that there was a bunch of companies that were created um, and that were created very fast and, and made it to IPO really fast, um, Netscape, Yahoo, eBay. And we asked ourselves, what's really special about these businesses? Is there anything new here? And that led us to the realization that what these companies were doing and what these companies were really good at had nothing to do with our conceived and, and preconceived notions of, of products or services, but it was really in the how they did business, in the how to do business, which we then called the business model. So this was this realization that there was something really fundamentally new going on, and it had it didn't really have... Uh, to do primarily with the digitization of business, but we saw that digitization was an enabler for firms to go about business in a new way, in a different way. And right. this this started this got it all, got us off on our work on business models and business model innovation. So we wrote our first paper together in the year 2000, or we published that paper in the year 2000 um, in the Strategic Management Journal, and that's still considered probably one of the seminal pieces on business models, one of the first um, papers that were written and published in a top-level academic journal on business models. It wasn't that business models kind of was a brand new idea for, uh, for, for, for people in, for managers, right? For people mm -hmm. who were practicing this, but for academia, it was a new idea. And um, so, I mean, we were really kind of very interested in developing this idea um, and exploring it further because we, we thought it was a very, very rich idea. I mean, if you have companies that, you know, within a matter of a few years become worth billions of dollars, hundreds, you know, even today, hundreds of billions of dollars, it, there must be something really to it. So we thought, you know, that, that was um, worthwhile our time um, uh, uh, looking into this in, in terms of our research and in terms of our teaching. And we've been at it now for, you know, for a long time. And the book represents the book represents really a let's say a, a a summary of the insights that we and we and our colleagues have um, found and and um, uh, researched over the past twenty years. Um, and so for us, this was a great opportunity to say, you know, look, we've done work on on many aspects of business models. Let's bring it all together um, and let's let's put it into one common 
framework. Let's do that. Let's get into that because, uh, Dr. Amit, you just promised me no mountains of R&D research. So <laughs> all this talk about Net, Netscape and Blockbuster is taking me back to the 90s here. So let's talk about what business model innovation is. In this book, you help us to define it by telling us what it is not. I'm going to quote you. You say, modifying an activity by making it faster, cheaper, or higher quality is not a business model innovation. Now, to me, that statement seems to eliminate a lot of the traditional avenues of improvement that managers usually take. So what should they be doing instead? Dr. Zott, would you like to start? With pleasure. Um, I'd like to kind of address this question in two ways. Number one, yes, we do say in our book what a business model is not. And um, we, we do this deliberately because we think it helps people understand better what a business model is in the first place. Um, and the reason why we spend so much time on explaining what a business model is not is that we found that when people use it in practice, they use it in all sorts of different ways. So there is, in general, there's a, a, a lot of confusion um, and about, you know, what, what a business model really is. And if one person says A, another person thinks B, it's very hard to think that they have a real conversation around this topic. So we, we thought it would be very important, first of all, to define the concept clearly. Um, and then second, the second thing that I would like to mention here is that um, we don't believe that other ways of creating value have become less important um, and that the business model kind of eliminates these traditional avenues. I, we would say in contrast that the business model adds to these traditional avenues for improvement uh, of improvement for business managers, it complements them. Um, so everything that we have learned in business school um, ever since, you know, for, for the past decades is still valid, is still true, but the business model offers a new avenue for value creation, a new dimension, a very important one, which doesn't render the others less important, but which adds to them. That's that's a very important point. Dr. Amit, can you add to that? What is this framework for business model innovation? So just to reiterate, now that we know what the business model is not, you know, right. it, it, it's not a product. It's not a firm. You know, it's not all encompassing. Um, and it's not the same thing as a business plan. What the way we think about the business model is of a, as a system of interdependent and interconnected activities that are designed to capture market needs or perceived market needs and create value for all the stakeholders in a business model. It's kind of a holistic concept that requires managers to take a step back and apply system-wide or system-level thinking. Uh, it, um, uh, so in, when we talk about the activity system, the activity system is designed and enabled by a focal firm in order to meet perceived market needs. It encompasses the activities that are either um, carried out by the focal firm or by its partners, and it may span both firm and industry boundaries and creates value for all uh, stakeholders. So there are really four dimensions in a business model. First of all, what are the activities of, that need to be carried out as part of this business model? 
How are these activities sequenced or connected to each other? Who carries out each of the activities? And lastly, why is this business model creating value? And why is this business model enabling the focal firm that innovate the business model to capture some of this value, right? So these are the four dimensions of, of a business model. And, and the basic idea is that Chris pointed out that, you know, if you just change and make the product a little bit better, you add a feature, for example, or make it work faster, it doesn't change the system of activity. So a business, when we talk about business model innovation, it refers to a business model that is new to the industry in which the firm competes. So that makes that makes a lot of sense because what you're saying is instead of focusing on this one particular activity or aspect of your business to step back, take this holistic view and look at the entire model, the entire strategy, which will help you get to where you want to go. Right. So we define what we mean by a business model. We define what business model innovation is. It's a business model that is new to the market. And business model innovation strategy, which is the title of the book, of course, which is what we deal with in this book, it refers to the design of a new activity system, of a new business model, it refers to the processes by which um, the system is created, that new system of activity is created, and to the implementation of the system within the context of the focal firm organization. And very, very importantly, the ongoing adaptation of that business model to a changing ecosystem or environment within which the firm competes. I'd like to add to what Rafi has said and build on it. Um, I just wanted like to repeat this very, very important observation that a business model is really not all-encompassing. Um, in if it were all-encompassing, so how would it then be different from you know a firm or an organization? We're talking about the business model of a company, the business model of an organization, uh, and so this is distinct. And when and 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 in terms of the business model. It's the activity system that we would like to highlight as the, you know, the, the crucial underlying conceptual backbone. Um, and just to give an example to illustrate um, this uh, concept and to, to distinguish it from products and product innovation, um, we, we could think of Apple, um, which is a very well-known example because Apple does both. Apple is, as we all know, brilliant with product innovation and design. Um, they have they have innovated many 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 uh, gadgets which are household um, items today, which has made them one of the most valuable companies on the planet. Um, the iPhone um, is the latest, probably one of the latest examples for that. But they are also a very powerful business model innovator because with the introduction of um, their App Store and iTunes and and all of those um, um, uh, innovations, what they have done is that they have added a, a distribution capability, a distribution platform to their um, hardware business, which makes their hardware business more valuable because, you know, they get value. They can, they, they, they will, they benefit from the sale of the gadgets, but they also benefit from the sale of the content that is played on these gadgets. And so they benefit twice. And there is a mutually reinforcing relationship here between their product innovations and their business model innovation. And this is, 
Um, one of the examples that um, we'd like to, uh, that we, 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 we mention in, uh, in, in highlighting this important distinction between product innovation and business model innovation, they're not, exact, they're not the same, but they complement each other. Absolutely. Well, in the book, you, you professors, you both stress this uh, importance of adapting a business model mindset. And I've heard that a lot. Usually it refers to think like a startup, think like an entrepreneur, but it's a little bit more than that. Uh, talk to me about what is a business model mindset? How do I get it? Why is it important? Uh, Dr. Zott, I'll start with you. Yeah, you mentioned entrepreneurial mindset. That is um... Uh, one part of one one type of mindset that's certainly very helpful. But when we talk about business model mindset, um, we refer to what Rafi has mentioned a little earlier as you know system level thinking and holistic thinking. Entrepreneurs also need to think at the system level uh, and uh, and holistically because they need to think about the entire um, business architecture. They need to think about all business functions. So they need to have a fairly yeah holistic perspective. Um, and so the same the same thing is with a business model. In the business model, you need to kind of take a, be able to take a step back, and this sometimes comes very very is very difficult for managers because they're focused. You know, they work in organizations in, in within certain functions. So they're good at one thing. They're good at strategy. They're good at marketing. They work maybe in sales, or they may they, they may they may work in finance, um, but they rarely kind of have this opportunity or the task to take a step back and rethink the entire construction, the entire architecture of the business for which they're working, which is how does it all hang together? How are all these activities connected to each other? Um, um, and, and that is what we, what we believe um, is, you know, is, requires a, a specific mindset, this ability to see the forest and not just the trees, as, as we call it. Right? So that's, that's the first kind of let's say requirement of a business model mindset to be able to 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 jump the level of analysis from you know focus on on activities or in, uh, individual activities or, or or products to the system level right um and maybe rafi do you want to add to this yeah i mean uh, let's take an example maybe that would be a a good way to illustrate what chris had just talked about uh, think about executive uh, of car manufacturers reaction to the entry of Tesla uh, into the market for auto, automotive market. So the first thing they are thinking about, well, maybe what we should do is expand our product portfolio, our lineup of cars and have an electric car or have a hybrid car. Uh, because the focus was on product design, on the technology of the product. But Tesla, under the leadership of Elon Musk, who comes back on the Wharton, as you know, at the University of Pennsylvania, um, uh, he already adopted a much broader perspective on his firm's innovation strategy, taking Apple as an inspiration, not only for the promoting distinctive technology and slick product design, such as Apple, but also imitating and incorporating other key aspects of the Apple business model. So for like example, what? like they have their own stores rather than having a, in, 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 in key, in, in luxury malls or main streets, rather than having franchises distribute their car. 
right? So they have total control of the entire process from the design, the manufacturing, and the sales. General Motors doesn't have that. Uh, Mercedes-Benz doesn't have that. Uh, Chrysler doesn't have that. Ford doesn't. They use third-party franchisees that uh, do the sales. So they don't have total control of the interaction with the end customer. But Tesla does. And that feedback allows Tesla to continuously innovate its offering and be ahead of the competition. And so there are fundamental different ways of approaching uh, the automotive industry. It's not focused just on the car. It's a much more holistic perspective on, on, on doing business. That's a really great example because, uh, you know, we just found out that Elon Musk has topped the list of richest people in the right. world, right? Exactly. So clear, clearly he's doing something right. We can take some uh, lessons from his business model mindset. That's exactly right. <laughs> and that's why I'm mentioning it. It's not a coincidence. Right. He has done uh, exceptionally well, and all the people who shorted Tesla lost a lot of money. <laughs> primarily because they're so very successful in China, as you know. Right. Dr. Zott, yeah. did you want to add something? Sure, because the Tesla example is a brilliant one um, in order to highlight um, the two traps into which managers often fall, which require this, what we call the business model mindset. And the first trap is the level of analysis trap, which is when um, managers continue to focus on what they thought was the important thing to focus on, like, you know, for example, the, the, the product. And this is very clear in the, in the car industry. That if you look at traditional car firms and you ask many managers in those car firms what's really important, they will continue to talk about the car and the engine and elements of the, you know, uh, uh, of the design of the car and so on and so forth. So they're completely focused and, 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 and concentrated on the car as a product. Whereas um, people like Elon Musk and others in the e-mobility industry know that the car as a product is one kind of vision. The other vision would be car as a service. Um, and there would be a different type of level of analysis, right? And to get mm -hmm. from one to the other is extremely, extremely um, difficult if you have worked all your life on products and all of a sudden somebody comes along and says, it's not the product, it's not about the product anymore, it's about how you do business. Right. That's a that's a difficult one to grasp. So that that needs a lot of work, um, and that kind of ties into the second trap, which is the familiarity familiarity trap. Um, so you know you're used to working within a particular activity system. You're used to working within a particular company. You used to be working within a um, a car manufacturer that has things set up in a certain way that has you know a production line, but then outsources many things. To, to suppliers that works with dealerships. So, you know, this is kind of, this is, this, this is a familiar ref, the, your familiar reference point. And to cast that aside and then say, wow, maybe we should do things very differently. Maybe we should not outsource so many things and should do them internally or vice versa. That's not so easy, not, not so easy either. People, you know, are familiar with certain things and have a hard time grasping the new and the, the need for, uh, for, for a new way of doing things, the need for a new business model. Um, and they also 
very much focused on a certain level of analysis of the, you know, especially the product level, and then they have a hard time to to understand why they should be talking about activities. You know, oh, it, why should activities matter? Isn't it the product that's so important here? We say both are important, but you need to make the move and the jump from one to the other. And that's, I think, a mindset issue. Well, your comment brings me to the coronavirus pandemic, what you're talking about, because the coronavirus pandemic has upended businesses in a very short period of time. It's forced businesses to look at things very differently. But, you know, if we go back through history, there are a number of moments in history that have redefined business. We can think of World War II. We can think of the oil crisis in the 70s. Certainly, we can think of the development of the Internet so is this pandemic any different? Are there new lessons to be learned here? Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Dr. Zott, and then I'll ask you, Dr. Amit, for that, for that answer. I think that the COVID crisis um, is acting as an accelerator in, in, in many respects. Um, does it highlight very new issues? I'm not so sure. I think it brings to the forefront issues that were already there, but it makes them even more salient. Um, and so, so it's it's been an it's it's an accelerator in in many in in many ways. You know, when we talk, for example, about education and 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 digital ways of delivering education. I mean, in our universities, both at the Wharton School and at Yesse, we've seen a change, an acceleration that we would not have believed possible a year ago. So, so I I, I think of it more as an accelerator than. Um, as something that brings about fundamentally new des desires and fundamentally new developments, although that's we cannot exclude exclude that. Dr. Ami, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, so let's just put things a little bit in perspective here. The COVID nineteen uh, pandemic triggered a severe, multifaceted global crisis, both a health crisis and an economic crisis. Uh, the shock to the economy were both on the demand side as well as on the supply side. So a, a catastrophic pandemic such as COVID-19 and the scale of this pandemic is very likely to alter the preferences, the habits, the risk attitude of consumers, in part because long stays at home and the social distancing measures that were applied. And what therefore what seems very likely is that many companies, both large and small, both private and public, both for profit and not for profit, they will be prompted to reimagine themselves, to reinvent themselves in order to survive and prosper in the future. The uh, the the way they engage with their customers might change dramatically. So let's take an example. Uh, for the last almost year, we didn't go to malls. We didn't go shopping. We did everything online. If you are a mall owner, uh, you will ask yourself, will consumers come back to malls? Will they need the mall? Will they need to go when they're so used to shopping online today? So there are profound behavioral changes that might occur as a result of this uh, pandemic. So this is a this is one issue that that we need to think about very very carefully that companies need to look at uh, themselves and say 
should we find new ways to interact with our partners, with our customers, and therefore, do we need to design a new business model? And there's no doubt that the pandemic has prompted companies to redesign uh, the business model. So I think that uh, that we don't really know how the new normal will evolve, uh, and and that's work in progress, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's so many things that are happening, uh, both politically, socially, and otherwise, that will affect how, and there is a record level of uncertainty as a result, and that for sure will affect how companies will uh, decide to engage with their stakeholders that include, obviously, their customers and their partners. Now, um, I think, therefore, in summary, if you will, that the both breadth, breadth and depth of the changes that the pandemic has uh, brought about, as well as the speed in which those things have occurred, as Chris has pointed out, uh, will result in substantial business model innovation. And uh, in, in, in our book, therefore, provides guidance to executives how to go about doing this because many are not that familiar with that process and with that type of thinking. But they will find themselves, and you know, as we work with companies around the world, we see that they're struggling. You know, if you're a mall owner, you're trying to hold on to the retailers that lease space from you. But maybe they should think totally different about the usage of the space, not just running after um, retailers and convincing them to continue and pay the, the rent. Maybe they should engage in different uses of the space, maybe do some entertainment, maybe do some other things that would bring people back into malls, not just for shopping, but for other activities that complement shopping, whether it's dining, whether it's other forms uh, of entertainment. That makes a lot of sense. So speed round, gentlemen, we've got a few minutes left. If readers take one thing away from your book, what do you want that lesson to be? Dr. Amit, you can start. Pay attention to your business model strategy. It has become a strategic imperative and a key strategic choice that managers and entrepreneurs need to make. The business model requires an ongoing innovative adaptation to the changing external environment. So make sure that your your organization uh, accepts change and is has a mindset, a business model innovation mindset to enable it to continue and prosper in the future. Dr. Zott, what about you? The one lesson. Of course, I agree with Rafi 100%. Um, And so I will just kind of rephrase this a little bit. So for me, the kind of, um, I think the most important message um, to entrepreneurs and managers out there, and it's a positive message, is that business model innovation has become a new form of innovation. It's a new form of innovation. It's best conceived of as how to do business and how to do business in new ways. It's centered on the firm's activity system, and it represents a new form of of value creation. So business model innovation 
think of it as a new type of innovation. Um, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be an engineer. You don't have to you know, study, have to have a PhD in anything in order to come up with a new business model idea. Um, it's, it's fairly, so it's, it's kind of very democratic um, um, and, and, and it's an equalizer. You can come up with new ideas, um, creative new ways of doing business uh, and build a fantastic um, new company uh, around that. Um, but as Rafi pointed out, um, in order to do this systematically um, and in a disciplined manner, you have to have a strategy for it, right? especially if you're working for a large company. This is not just for startup entrepreneurs, but it's particularly important for established companies who need to reinvent themselves. And then COVID-19 presents us with a rationale for why it's important to think about reinventing ourselves. Well, that's certainly very encouraging. There's a lot of great information in this book. Once again, it's called Business Model Innovation Strategy, Transformational Concepts and Tools for Entrepreneurial Leaders. It's available right now in digital or hard copy at your favorite bookseller. I want to thank my guests for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more just like it on our website, where you can also read all our latest research in business. I'm Angie Bassiuni. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.